morning, welcome. It's great to have you here. Um, can I just welcome you if this is your first Sunday here at Gateway. Um, it's a real privilege to welcome you here. Hope you feel welcomed and at home. My name's Colin. I have the privilege of leading um, the church here at Gateway. Uh, this morning is an exciting morning because we are swimming. No, we're, we're doing baptisms. Um, this morning there's a, a couple of guys getting baptized, which is fantastic. And if you haven't been baptized, the pool is here. Um, we don't have towels, but who needs towels? Um, um, so we're going to be baptizing Yared and Olu a bit later on, so that's fantastic. Um, but first of all, we're here to worship King Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, Ant and Jack and the band are going to lead us in a time of worship. Have a real freedom to stand, to join in, to sit and listen. That's absolutely fine. Up to you. Um, and then um, Rob is going to come and preach. And I'm just pleased to say that Rob is wearing the official uniform this morning of denim jacket, black, um, black jeans. So good job, Rob. Um, so everyone, stand up if you'd like to. Sit if you'd like to. Um, we are here to worship. That's what we're made for, is to worship God. And he is worthy of us bringing ourselves and saying to our inner person, come on, worship him today. He's worthy of worship. So that's what we're going to do. So, we, Father, we want to um, gather in your presence today to glorify your son, King Jesus, because he is worthy of our worship and adoration. And Jesus, we, we want to pray, be glorified, be magnified this morning as we gather together in your name, in your presence, in the presence of your spirit. We, we want to worship and adore you. So we welcome you here by your spirit. And we say, come and be among us as you've promised you'll be as we gather together. Come and be among us to be an encourager to us, to strengthen us, to um, call worship out from us today for, for our good, for our joy, but that Jesus may be magnified and glorified this morning here in West Swindon as we gather as your people because he's worthy. And so we bless your name this morning. We bless what you want to do, Holy Spirit. We say, come and bring joy to us this morning. Come and, come and bring a, um, the freedom that's ours in Christ to worship in spirit and in truth. We pray that we will be reminded of that, that our hearts right from the off this morning will be hearts that are hungry to know you and to boast in you and your good news towards us. That you are a God who saves and rescues as we focus on that this morning in baptism. So we bless what you want to do. Amen. Guys, let's have a freedom this morning to enjoy God in worship. Um, the kids, as usual, are setting pattern. There's flags here. If anybody wants flags, seeing as they're out, we might as well make use of them. Um, let's go for it. If you want to pray, if you want to read scripture, if you believe God's speaking to you um, for the body this morning, we'd like to share that in as we go on. Um, so come and let me know. And we'll try and feed that in the best we can. But let's go for it. Let's enjoy God. And guys, let's, let's have such a freedom today because God is alive. And he has rescued us from sin and death. And therefore, we are a new creation because of what Christ has done. And we need to remind ourselves it is worth boasting in. It is worth singing about and celebrating and looking at one another. I know this is a slightly weird thing to say, but as we sing, I want to encourage you to look at one another today and say, we're not just singing words. We're reminding each other that this is true. We've based our life on this. So let's go for it. Hearts full of joy. Amen. Let's go. Thanks, guys. I've been looking um, at John 15, where it says that the vine dresser cuts off branches that aren't bearing fruit so that they may bear fruit. And just watching, I've been looking up um, 
the cycle that trees go through in the winter um, and the belief that God wants to say to us this morning that where people feel like they're in winter and where things have been cut off and where you feel like so where you feel like all of your leaves have dropped off or where God even has come and cut a branch off you I believe he wants to say today that winter is coming to an end and that whilst we don't want to leave winter early because we don't want those buds of spring to be damaged by frost that he wants you to watch for the buds of spring because they are going to come that we are protected and we are nourished in winter those leaves that drop off the tree nourish the tree and the reason that they turn different colors is because before they come off the tree the tree takes in the nutrients that are left in those leaves and so during winter we are protected and we are nourished but it isn't a, it is just a season it's not supposed to last forever and I believe God wants to say today that it will come to an end and that you are to watch for the buds of spring and that they are going to come in abundance and that where it's that he's pruned you that is so that life can come so I just I'm going to pray for us if you feel like that is you and if you feel like you've been stuck in winter just respond to God in your hearts lift your arms out to him Holy Spirit just come and be with us where people like feel those wounds God from having been pruned I pray that you would just pour your oil over them your healing oil that you would protect them that they would know God that as they look to you you will guide them forwards and that you will cause that new life to come we choose again this morning God to be rooted into you to stay in the vine God that you might cause that life to flow forth and we watch God like the scripture says that it springs up suddenly we watch and we wait on you God and we trust you in the process of the winter we bless what you are doing God but we ask for signs of spring Thanks, Carla. Um, if you guys would like to grab a seat, thank you guys. Carry on worshipping um, a bit later. Just as we were praying before the meeting, um, Olive uh, reminded us of this scripture that um, talks about a hunger and thirst for God. And it says this, as a deer pants for water, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so, so my soul thirsts for you. And I just want to say to you, I, I believe that God in these days is um, bringing us into a season where we are to be hungry for him, seeking him. I mean, that's true of the church in general, but I believe we're in a season where God is calling his church to pray and seek him with a new seriousness, a new um, sense of desire for God, not just to get the task done, but to be with him, to have lives that are deeply rooted in him. And actually, 
So often that starts with a, with a season of God pruning things. Going, you've got to clear the decks. You've got to make space. If you want to be intentional, if you're really thirsty for me, you've got to come and allow me to remove stuff that is hindering and is causing busyness of life and so on and so forth. And that's a painful process. So as Carla was just sharing then, I just I feel that like that is God's invitation to us is I want you to be with me in this season. That's a truth anyway. We, God wants us to know him and to walk with him and to have a thirst for him. But I believe there is an invitation, church, that in this day that God is saying, you need, you need, you need to be thirsty for me. And with all the stuff that the world throws at us, all of the entertainment and all of the busyness, we've got to do the work of cutting space, carving space in our lives for God to say, God, I'm thirsty for you. I don't know if like the psalmist that says, as my... Um, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. I don't know how thirsty I am for God all the time. But our, our response to him is to say, God, come and chop off dead pits of my life. Come and clear the decks that I am thirsty for you. So I just want to encourage you. We, we might not have a prayer room at the moment running 24-7 prayer, but it's the heart that matters in this. That we are a people who seek him and know him. And that's when life will come in, in new ways. So... Let's be diligent in that. Right, enough of a sermon. I'm, that wasn't meant to be a preach. So apologies. Okay, well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see you. Welcome to this very special service where we're going to be having um, some baptisms today. Um, this looks weird, doesn't it? Don't you think this looks weird? I have to say that when I came in this morning thinking the baptisms would be over there, I thought, oh, my word, the church have got a time machine. Um, <laughs> Wasn't quite sure what it was, but um, we are going to be dipping people into this pool this morning. Um, could I just show you a couple of pictures? Th these are literally random pictures that I took off Google Images. I don't know who they are or where they're from, but these pictures kind of pulled themselves out to me because I thought, it looks very churchy, doesn't it? It looks really religious and really churchy. And when you think of the word baptism, and when you think of baptisms, you think of them being done in church by churchy people. And I kind of think it's really important to know this morning that the word baptism is actually a really ordinary, non-religious word, okay? In the Greek, it literally means to dip or to plunge, uh, and there are loads of examples from the ancient world where we see this word that is used in the Bible to describe people being baptized actually being used, and it has nothing to do with religious activity at all. In fact, anything that gets dipped or plunged or drenched or submerged could really accurately be described as being baptized. And I just want to show you a couple of examples to illustrate. Have a look at those second sets of pictures up there. Um, baptism in the first century was used to describe the dyeing of cloth. Okay, When, when they would take a, a piece of cotton or, or some linen, and, and when it was dyed, um, it wasn't just sprinkled or splashed with the dye. Um, it was plunged. It was immersed into the dye. And those people who were involved in dyeing cloth, were involved in the job of baptism. That was their job. That's what they did. They plunged, they immersed the dye into, um, the, the cloth into the dye, and they, they had baptized it. it it's a, a non-religious word. 
Um, let me give you another example. Have a look at these pictures here. Um, baptism was also used in the first century to describe um, a ship that had been sunk either during a war or, or during a storm. Uh, and when a first century sailor um, told their investors that their ship had been baptized into the sea, they knew that that meant ruin. They knew that that boat had not just been splashed with a bit of surf, but it had been completely immersed into the sea, never to be seen again. Um, there is another one. This one is my favorite. There is even evidence from the first century that the word baptism was used for the pickling of cucumbers. Okay? I've got one here, right? I've got one here, okay? Um, the pickling of cucumbers. Anybody who is involved in the job of pickling is involved in the baptism of cucumbers, okay? And um, the cucumber is baptized into the jar. And I think what all of these illustrations are trying to say to us in some way is that really to be baptized means to be all in. Baptism is all in. The, the, the cloth is all into the dye. The ship is all into the sea. The cucumber is all into the jar. And it speaks of total, complete involvement. And what we are going to learn about today is we're going to take this very ordinary word that is used in the ordinary stuff of life, and we are going to apply it to God. You see, the person who is coming here this morning and is getting baptized, um, what they are saying is that when it comes to God, I am all in. I am plunging, I am submerging, I am immersing everything that I am, all of myself, all of my identity, all of my purpose, my entire moral compass, everything is being all in committed to God. And you know, that's why in the Bible, um, to repent and be baptized are sort of two steps that are put together. Um, in Acts 2, verse 38, Peter said, uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Um, and what we have here is two steps in the reorientation of the heart towards God. Um, repenting means to turn around, to move in another direction. It means to redirect all of my priorities in a new way. And it's not just towards anything, towards something different. It is towards God. And the people who are getting baptized today, that is what it is expressing. They're not saying that God is, is a hobby. They're not saying that believing in God is like a thing on the side of life. They're saying, I've been plunged into God. It's all that I am. It's all that I am. Being baptized is about being all in. And so what we need to consider this morning is, is well, why? Why would some people come here today and get wet in front of a crowd of people? Why, why would they do that? What is going on? 
And I want us to try to understand something that's going on in the heart and something that has happened in the lives of those who are being baptized today. And what I want to do is keep this simple and really just give you one reason why these people are getting baptized today. And the simple answer is that God did it first. I want you to know that we have an all-in kind of God. That's the take-home for today. That that is the thing to carry. That is the truth to see. That we have an all-in kind of God with an all-in kind of commitment and an all-in kind of love. We, We have a God who as it were, plunges and submerges and immerses himself into this world because he wants to know you. God is not distant. He's not some unknowable, unknowable sort of divine designer who got the world into motion and then stepped back and is unknowable. What we learn by understanding something of baptism is that God, God's heart is that he wants to know you. And you know, the reason why Christians make so much of Jesus is because as Christians, we believe that Jesus was not just a good man. He wasn't just a preacher of of nice stories and morals. That he is and he was God from the beginning. That he is the God who sustains and made the world. And yet that God, that God comes to us. Listen to these verses that describe Jesus in the Bible. The Bible says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. Now, I'm sure you would agree that this is not the description of a mere man, even the description of a, of a really good man. The writer here is saying that Jesus is the creator, that he is the sustainer, that he is the invisible made visible to us so that we can see God, so we can know something tangible and real about God. Another writer in the Bible describes it like this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. You know, do you want to know what God is like this morning? Do you want to know what God's heart is? Do you want to know what God's attitude towards you is today? Look at Jesus. He is the exact image, the exact representation of his being. If you want to see God, you see it fully and clearly revealed in Jesus completely, utterly. And if we want to know that this God revealed in Jesus is for us and that he wants to know us, well, I want you to know this morning that this God, that this Jesus baptized and immersed himself into this world, into our world. You know, when you read the Gospels and you see the life of Jesus laid out there, you see that he was truly immersed into the world that we live in. Um, He was born into poverty. 
Um, he was born immediately into risk and danger and peril, and he had to flee for his life as an asylum seeker with his family into Egypt. He knew pains and thirst and hunger. He knew what it was to live in a place where there was a, a foreign invading empire, and, and that empire used intimidation and violence and threats. You know, he didn't live in a world that was a nice place. He knew what it was to be rejected and humiliated, misunderstood, laughed at. He spent time with people who were broken. He wept by the grave of a, of a dear friend who died before his time. He knows. He knows the pains and the trials that we and that you live with. He knows because he has been baptized into this world. He is all in for you. And you know, the Bible describes it like this. In John's gospel, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know, literally that means he pitched his tent. He set up camp with us here. And there's some other versions that are brilliant about this. Um, have a look at these other versions of the same verse. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's our God. He moved into the neighborhood. He became a human being and he lived here with us. And so I want you to know this morning that we have a God who is all in. And that is so important to understand as we look at these baptisms today, because if someone is all in, it tells us something about their heart. It's telling us that God is not some distant deity far away, that he wants connection, that he wants to know us. It's the first day of Advent today, Christmas is coming, and one of the things that we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus is Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Baptized into this world, in the neighborhood, in the mess, in the hardship. That is the God we serve. And I think, you know, this really matters because it really does tell us something important about God's heart. And when anybody gets involved, when anyone gets immersed into a situation, you know, it tells us something about who they are. Um, if you have a look at these next uh, pictures, I'm reminded, I'm sure you've seen these before, of the famous photos from World War II where the king and the queen are, are walking around the rubble of the Blitz in London. Uh, and they're visiting bombed houses and they are visiting people as they're sleeping in the underground. And um, even Buckingham Palace was hit by a bomb. And um, the Queen, as you can see, famously said, well, I'm glad because I feel that I can look the East End in the face. You know, what you've experienced, I've experienced. Something of your reality is now my reality. You know, I'm not distant. I'm not separate. I've got the rubble on my shoes. I've got the dust on my fingers. And I suppose the reason why presidents and prime ministers visit disaster zones when there are terror attacks and floods and fires 
is that visiting, getting involved, getting into the neighborhood is about connection, it's about empathy, and it really shows that you care. You know, when we go to remembrance events, when you visit someone who's sick in hospital, when you get involved, when you go near, you connect and you show something of your heart. And what is amazing is that Jesus, who is God, who is the King of kings, the darling of heaven, the Lord of all, he even went further than the royal family. You know, they walked among the rubble, but I don't think they ever slept in the subway. Do you know, Jesus really got the grit and grime of this world under his fingernails. He really moved into the neighborhood. He really immersed and baptized himself into this world. And it speaks to us and it tells us that God is all in for you. God is all in for you. But you know, there's even more than that. Because, yes, he came and he lived among us. But Jesus told us that his mission was not merely to be here, that his mission was to be immersed and baptized into death. And he deliberately, when he's talking to his disciples, describes his death as being a baptism. Um, listen uh, to these verses, which are from Mark 10, which is our main reading for today. Mark 10, 32 to 45. Um, it says, again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said. You know, that is really significant because I think, like many people in Israel at that time, um, his disciples, when they believed that he was the Messiah, they believed that he was going to be some sort of a political um, Messiah, that he was going to be some sort of a military leader. And when they think they're going to Jerusalem, they think this is the moment. This is the moment when Jesus is going to kick out the Romans. He's going to reestablish his throne in Jerusalem. He's going to sit on David's throne, and there's going to be a transformation. Jesus is the man for the moment. And yet he says, The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. What, to be sat on a throne? They will condemn him to death. And will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. And it seems as if maybe the disciples haven't heard it. Maybe they haven't heard it because then James and John, two of the disciples, the sons of Zebedee, came to him Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other at your left in your glory. So they think now is the moment when it's all going to happen in Jerusalem that Jesus is going to sit on some earthly throne. And they said, hey, can we be in on the action? You know, can we be in the cabinet? Can we be around the table We'd like to be in on this. We want some of that power. We want some of that authority. 
And Jesus says to them, you don't know what you are asking. And he says this, listen carefully. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Can you be plunged into what I am about to be plunged into? Can you be immersed into what it is that I have come into this world to do? And very glibly, they said, we can. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right and on my left is not for me to grant. Jesus says, I am going to be baptized. And listen to what it says next. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. I mean, maybe they were indignant because they didn't ask first. Maybe they thought, oh, why aren't we at the front of the row? But Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. You know, this is not how you're to live. This is not to be the posture of your heart. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And then Jesus says this, which is his mission statement. This is his summary of why he came to live amongst us and to be baptized into our world. Listen to what he says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus said that he did not come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom. And again, like baptism, ransom is not a religious word. It's an ordinary, everyday word. And it's a word that in the Roman Empire meant to be set free from slavery by the payment of a price. Um, if someone had been born a slave and there was a price over their head and somebody paid that price, that person was legally set free. It, it's a legal word. It's a legal translation. And the reason why this is important and the reason why this is the heart of Jesus' mission and perhaps the reason why for so many people God does seem distant and, and shadowy and unknowable is because the reality is that our relationship with God is broken. You know, God is perfect. In fact, God is so perfect that even the angels around the throne, they cover their faces in his presence. Did you know that? They cover their faces and they cry out day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And if angels have to cover their faces, what chance do we have to enter into the very presence of God? And you know, the Bible talks about the problem that we have as being one of sin. And, and I know that's a religious word. And I know it's loaded with meaning. 
But, you know, I really think there are two simple ways that can help us this morning to understand what is the sin problem that Jesus came to ransom. The simplest way, I think, to understand what sin is, is to simply say it's the word with I in the middle. It's the word with I in the middle. Um, and it expresses something of our tendency to put ourselves first. That life is all about me. It's about my agenda. And I'm sat on the throne of my life. And I am the driver of my own destiny. And God is not allowed to take the wheel. That's what sin is. It's my life. It's my destiny. I'm in charge. Nobody else gets to take the wheel. And it means that we push God away. It means we wish that God didn't exist. We revolt against him. And sometimes we can do that very respectably and without even breaking the law. But we are putting ourselves first. Do you know, another way that maybe can help us to understand what sin is, is that one of the words in the Bible just literally means to miss the mark. Um, it's a picture from archery. And it's almost as if our moral arrow, every time we try to hit the bullseye of God's perfection, our arrow just goes off. Our arrows go off. They don't hit the bullseye. We don't have the capacity to live the kind of life that God's perfection demands. You see, someone who needs a ransom is a slave. And Jesus is being very straight with us here, and he's telling us that we are slaves to ourselves, that we're slaves to our nature, we're slaves to our fallenness. That's why every time you try to hit the target, you go off. That's why every new year when we set new resolutions, they are finished by about the second week of January. That's why every time we try to change and be better people in our own strength, we never quite achieve it. And I want you to know, and I want to be very straight with you, that the message of Jesus, the message of a savior, the message of someone who comes into this world to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself makes no sense. And it means nothing to you until you recognize that you need to be saved, you need to be rescued, and that you are shackled to yourself. Do you know, there's a quite popular way that sometimes preachers will use to try to help us to understand what this means. And I want to use this this morning. Um, have a look at this picture. Imagine if every word and thought and deed you ever did was displayed on a massive wall on post-it notes for all to see. Everything you ever did. Every thought, every word, every action, the entirety of your life was put on a wall. Now, I imagine that probably some of you are already hyperventilating and sweating at the thought of that. Because even though I'm sure on that wall there would be so many things to celebrate, so many good things, so many achievements, can you this morning be honest enough to admit that would, there would also be enough things on that wall that you would be deeply ashamed of 
that if that wall was made available, you would go and run and hide under a rock. That if actually the reality of who you are was made manifest, you probably would lose your job, you'd lose your friend, you'd lose your partner. If the reality of who you are was out there. Because the reality is that we're all involved in selective self-promotion. We're all putting up in front of other people what we want them to see. And yet God sees it all. The wall of testimony of everything that you are stands before God. And we're not perfect, are we? We don't have the perfection that is required to get us to heaven. Jesus sees us as we are. God truly sees us as we are. And you know, that might feel challenging, but I actually I want to say to you this morning that that should be liberating. How liberating would it be today if you could just take off the mask and just say, I can be real and open and honest with God and show him all that I am because he knows anyway, and yet he still loves me. He still came into this world to save me, and he died upon a cross to make that happen. Do you know, Jesus once summarized it like this. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And he sometimes said it in another way as well. Sometimes he would tell a story, he would give some teaching, and then he would say, um, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As if to say, you know, that the spirit is brooding. The spirit of God is brooding as I have shared the truth. Now who is hearing it? Who's responsive today to the truth that you need a savior, that you need a good physician, that you're sick and you need me to heal you? Do you know, a free healing dose of medicine is joy and relief if you know you desperately need it. And you know, when Jesus moved into the neighborhood, when he offered his life upon the cross, he was offering his perfection in our place. He took off the robes of his perfection and he put on the crown of thorns and he died on a criminal's cross. And it's almost as if all of those post-it notes that you are deeply ashamed of on your wall, he comes and he replaces Everyone with his perfection. Every one of those post-it notes is covered with the blood of Jesus. Do you know there's an old hymn? I wonder how many of you remember this old hymn where it, said, where it says, um, talks about um, that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged, baptized beneath its flood lose all their guilty stains. Do you know there's wonderful truth in that? There's wonderful truth in that. Every one of your shameful post-it notes has been replaced with his perfection. And he offers that through his blood. He, he's all in for you. He's all in for you. And you know the Bible summarizes it like this. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, do you see that God's love is not a a fuzzy feeling? It's not something intangible and shadowy. God's love is rooted in a time and in a place and in history. It is rooted in a moment when the Son of God died upon the cross and he gave his life for you. He demonstrates it. He manifests it. He is all in for you today. And do you know, the Bible, we don't really have time to go into this today, but I can't leave it out. Do you know, the Bible also talks about the baptism, the immersing that there is in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't start your mission. Don't go and be and go and do what you've been called to do in your own strength. Don't think you can do this by just trying harder. Christianity is not a message of trust God and then just try harder in your own strength. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, those who are getting baptized today are also saying that that they have been plunged into the love of God. They have been plunged into what Jesus achieved for them on the cross. But they have been plunged into a new power source. That God's spirit is immersed in them. That they are temples of God's spirit. So let me briefly, as we finish this morning, explain to you what is going to be happening in this weird time machine type baptism pool. First of all, can I just say to you that getting baptized does not make a person a Christian. Only God is able to save somebody. Only God's work in the heart is able to save somebody. No ritual, no ceremony is able to give God's gift of eternal life. Getting into this pool does not get you your ticket to heaven. And can I also just say to you, there's nothing special about the water. Um, No holy man has prayed over it or blessed it. It's just ordinary Swindon hard water. (laughs) But what's special about it is what it pictures, what it says to us. Have a look at this next last uh, image for this morning. So what will happen is the person will stand upright in the pool. And when they stand upright, it's like they're saying, I am identifying myself with Jesus who was crucified on the cross that I am crucifying myself with him, that all that I am and all of my agendas, all of my past mistakes are being nailed to the cross with him. As he was nailed upright on the cross, I am upright in the pool. But then also as Jesus died upon the cross and he was taken down and he was immersed into the grave, immersed into the death, the person is saying, I have died to my old life, that I am immersing myself into death. The old me has gone. And the water that speaks of cleansing is the cleansing that comes through his blood. But we will put them into the water for a millisecond, but we will pull them out again. And we're pulling them out again because just as Jesus was raised from death on the third day, the baptismal candidates this morning are saying, I have been raised with Christ. 
I have been raised with Christ. I am connected to him. And all that he has done and all that he is is mine. I am connected to him. And so I just want to finish by just calling out three responses this morning. Firstly, we're going to hear some people give testimony of God's grace in their lives, and they are going to come and be baptized. But I wonder if there's anyone here today who would say that something that has been spoken would resonate with you, that as I said to you, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, are you hearing the imagery that comes from the picture of the wall? Do you recognize that God is all in for you? And that today is the day to choose in. That today is the day to choose in. And finally, most people in this room here are Christians. Most people here have already chosen in. They've recognized the all-in love of God for them. Maybe many of you have even been baptized and you've done this at a point in your life. But I wonder whether this morning is an opportunity for you to say, no, I've realized again that he is all in for me. And, and as Colin was saying earlier about clearing out the rubbish and recommitting and pursuing him, maybe today is the day when we want to make some space for you to say, he was so all in for me and I've realized it afresh. I want to be all in for him. I want to immerse myself again into the love of God. Amen. Rob, thank you so much. That was superb. Um, before I forget, um, the reason I was saying also about um, being all in again with God in this next season is that I just feel God's inviting us as a church to do that. And on Thursday, um, this Thursday, we are gathering as leaders, site teams together to pray in the evening. And I'm going to ask the team to fast that day also. And I just want to ask you guys, why not take Thursday along with us just to pray and fast and just be all in for God on Thursday as we do that together as a community. I'll just leave that with you, no pressure, but fasting is a great way just to be hungry and thirsty for God. Right. Um, we, in a moment, are going to hear um, the stories of the guys who are getting baptized today. If, as Rob was talking, and you go, I want to be all in for God and I haven't been baptized, feel free to come and line up and we'll add you in. That's absolutely fine. Um, we don't have a towel, but we can share, or you can just nick Nigel's. Um, that's fine. But we're just in a moment, I'm going to invite, um, there's actually three guys getting baptized today, two right now in a moment, and then Phil is going to be baptized later this afternoon. But I'd love to invite them in a moment just to come and share their stories. Um, and the reason we want to share our stories of our encounter with God is because there is something powerful as we share our stories. There's a lady, in I won't read it, but in John 4, a lady encountered Jesus, and she was a, a lady of reputation in her village. And Jesus goes and meets her um, at a well, at a meeting point, and she discovers that Jesus knows all about her, that he knows her wall, and it isn't a good wall. And she's had five, or five guys, and she's on her sixth, and you'd think the sixth would kind of know she's a poisoner of men. Um, don't go near her, but anyway, she's, got, she's on her sixth bloke in life, and Jesus knows this and shows grace to her. And as she realizes that he is all in for her, she, she goes and tells her family and friends, come and meet this man who knows me. And it's this amazing moment when 
when she goes and shares her story, this woman who nobody wants anything to do with in her town. And she says, I've met somebody who is all in for me. And in John 4, um, verse 39, um, as she shared her story, or in, in 28, it says, uh, the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and, t- and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did, that wall that Rob was just saying about. Can this be the Christ? Can this be God who is with us, the one who is all in? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And then in verse 39, it says this, many Samaritans from that town believed in him, in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And that very thing that Rob was just saying about that wall there, as this lady said, he, he knows me. He knows that wall. And yet he showed me grace and compassion and has given me a new wall, a brand new wall in light. That is what we're doing when we share our stories. We're saying, I used to have a wall and we're not going to make these guys say my wall looked like this. And by the way, there was this bad post-it note and this the one and this one. But all of us have a wall that, that we carry guilt and shame for. But our testimony is exactly as Rob said, I now have a new wall in God. And so as we share stories, we are rooting for these guys. We are cheering them on and saying, God, thank you that you have made a brand new creation here. Thank you that you're doing a new thing. And as we hear these stories, it should build faith. And even if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, and you kind of want to argue intellectually with what Rob was saying, well, can can someone really rise from the dead? And you have all these questions I want to encourage you to listen to these guys' story as they say, look, he knows me, and he's given me a new wall. So can I invite um, Yared, Olu, and Phil? Let's welcome these guys. They come up. <laughs> right. Yared, if you could go there. Phil, just grab a seat over there. Olu, come, come here. We've only met this morning for the first time. Good to meet you. <laughs> um, Olu, do you just want to take a few moments, share your story, and tell us why you're getting baptized today and who Jesus is to you? That'd be great. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I just want to thank God for the opportunity um, to be saved. Um, I was born into um, a Methodist family um, growing up. But I can tell you, um, it's all religion. Um, I grew up in a religious family. Um, We do go to church, but it's just for the going to church, to be honest with you. To just be, it's a social thing. Um, Every Sunday, we never actually had any connection to God, um, never had any connection to Jesus Christ. I really do not understand any of this. Um, and of course, as I grow up into adulthood, I still do not understand. Um, I just live religiously. Everything I did was outwardly for people to see. Um, nothing was coming from the inside. So eventually, I think this year, early this year, I begin to have this urge that I want to know Christ. I want to know what all of this is about. I really, really want to go deep and really understand. Um, I want to change in me. I want to give myself to him. I don't know why I'm having that heart, but I just believe now that it was the Holy Spirit moving close to me. 
Um, I think and I believe now that when God wants to change you, he's the only one that can do that. Nobody can. Um, I came to that understanding and I realized that I can only change from the inside out, not the other way around. It's not going to be from the outside to the inside. It's from the inside out. And I began to understand as the Lord was taking me through the Bible, I was also reading and um, um, hearing the word of God for the Bible says that um, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So I begin to hear the word of God. I begin to have faith in Christ. I begin to understand that he came into the world to die for me, to redeem me, um, to, to change me from the direction that I was going of destruction and change me, um, turn me around back into life. So I begin to have all this in me and I realized that the Holy Spirit was changing me and the way I think was different. I began to think in a righteous way. Um, the impact, the way I used to live, I was always very hungry. Um, I'm always ready to break your head <laughs> if, you, if you come close to me um, or if you do something that I don't like. But I, I can see inside of me, I, could, I started having peace, a peace of mind. It was taking over me. Um, the rage that I used to have, all gone. Um, the, the way I used to live um, in terms of lies, you know, I, I begin to have that um, conviction in me that I am of Christ, of Christ Jesus. And it is a total turnaround um, inside out. The way I think is that I am a child of God. I am above sin. I am above the world. I am above the devil. I know that I am saved into Christ Jesus, and I'm going to live with him in his coming kingdom in Jesus' name. This is Yared, everyone. <laughs> um, Yared's got a great story, by the way. I don't know what you're going to share, but he's got a good story. We've got to get it out there. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's a great uh, moment for me. It's a special day for me. So uh, I was born uh, in Ethiopia and from a religious uh, family. And uh, we are practice religious uh, uh, and we go to church without any purpose, without, without any reason. But we are so, uh, I don't know, feel a good uh, feeling about God, about Jesus, but already I follow that Christianity practice. Uh, my life is changed. Uh, this moment is in here, in Sweden. I come in Sweden before six months. In that time, in that day, uh, someone is, the name is Robert. I meet him in uh, town and street. And he's invite me to uh, church, and in that time, uh, um, my uh, my heart say, yes, I'm happy. I'm yes, I'm coming. And in that time, I go and uh, uh, Pastor Joseph is pray uh, for me in that church, and in that moment, I feel wonderful feeling in my heart. It's a strong or powerful feeling in my heart, and I realize this way 
these feelings have a purpose because I don't feel like before like the feeling so okay this way is the best way so in that moment I have my good pe uh, people from my country is uh, the name is uh, Nuru and uh, I call her his wife and she name is Jamila and say now is I feel good feeling so I want to born again and I accept Jesus as my Lord. I want to surrender myself to Jesus. <laughs> so she's happy. She's surprised and she pray for me. From that moment, my life is completely changed. And I, I, I decide to surrender myself. I belong to only to Jesus. And uh, I, they give me many uh, uh, learn about Bible. Everything, my focus in Bible. What is, uh, what is Bible? What is Jesus? What is God? What is God made for me? And everything is already uh, miracles happen time to time for me. Every door of my life is from that time is changed. I get visa. I get. Everything I get, so it's a special thing for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so as now is already, I live. Before that, this life is meaningless for me, but now is I live. It's I know the purpose of living. I know the purpose of my, my everything. So it's this moment is special for me. That's a wonderful time for me. <laughs> and Phil likes me lots for asking him to share a story. Um, Phil, go for it. <laughs> um, I've spent the last 15 years suffering from depression and suicidal tendencies. Uh, Mid-June, um, I was having a bad episode. Went to bed one night, woke up an hour later, no depression, nothing. Completely gone, completely cured. Um, speaking to Colin, it was obviously Jesus' work. Uh, it gave me hope, desire to actually live a life instead of just being miserable all the time. So I, I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> Phil, whenever you say I still hate you, all I hear is I love you so much, bro. <laughs> Brilliant. So we're going to baptize Phil later on this afternoon. Um, we are going to, guys, thank you for sharing your stories. That's superb, by the way. Um, and Yared just mentioned it there that um, when he first started coming to Gateway, he's, he was applying for a visa. And so we're like, right, come on, we're going to pray. And, and God did it really speedily. Um, so it was amazing. Um, and Yared, great to have you here. Um, we're going to um, let these guys go and get changed in just a moment. So, oh, now. Um, so we're going to sing a song of worship whilst they're doing that. And parents, can you please go and collect your kids from their groups? Because we're going to bring... Not this room. If your kid's back there, leave them in there. Um, but other than that, if your kids are elsewhere, go parents, please go and collect your kids because um, we want to bring them back to be part of this. Fab, why don't you stand? We're going to worship.